Unger the Radar, bringing movies and people together, one frame at a time. Hey guys, I'm Randy Younger, and this is another episode of Unger the Radar, bringing movies and people together, one frame at a time. And with me tonight, back for more, we have Miss Ivy Lofberg. Hey Ivy, how's it going? Hey Randy, happy to be here. Good to see you. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, We're going to be doing a little bit of our Matthew Broderick discussion tonight. Two films that he did, uh, one from 1983. Tonight will be uh, Matthew Broderick versus Machines and versus Monsters. So the first film we'll be reviewing is the classic techno thriller War Games from 1983, celebrating its 40th anniversary. Fantastic film, uh, early role, actually Matthew's second film ever, fantastic. Uh, And it's just a really exciting uh, story of a computer hacker, uh, uh, basically a teenage student, high school student, who unwittingly hacks into the, the NORAD computer system and basically almost triggers World War III. Fantastic film. I I love it. Huge fan. We're also going to talk about a film he did 15 years later, though not as well received. Uh, It is the reboot of Godzilla from 1998. And in this, he also plays a kind of a nerdy guy. Uh, In this one, basically, he's the the expert who must try and figure out how to stop Godzilla, who has returned, actually has, has arrived, in Manhattan only to wreak havoc and uh, release its spawn into onto the world. We're gonna talk about those two very different films starring Matthew, but first uh, I wanna welcome Ivy. Uh, Ivy, it's good to see you again. We had a great time last episode with John Landis. And um, yeah, this I think this is gonna be a fun one as well. Before we get into Matthew Broderick's filmography here a bit, uh, I just wanna mention that yesterday I had the uh, privilege and honor of attending a very special event that happens every so often. Uh, It is called Spoons, Tunes, and Booze. And it is a very, very silly, very fun event that takes place at the uh, Nighthawk Cinema primarily. Uh, And those who don't know about Spoons, Tunes, and Booze, they show old school cartoons uh, from like the 80s and 90s when we were kids. And they have a cereal buffet, uh, basically a table set up with all the cereals you can think of, all the cereals you had when you were a kid, and basically try to replicate your childhood, your your Saturday mornings as a kid. And it's just a great, great event. Uh, I'm going to be going a lot more in the coming months. And I just wanted to um, share that with you. Secret Formula is the company that's in charge of it. And they do some great stuff. If you just go to their website, uh, you can see their calendar. So some really good stuff. Ivy, I hope to see you there uh, in the near future. For sure. Yeah, um, my birthday is um, on the 20th. And Randy just told me that there it's going to be on the 21st and the 22nd. So I'm definitely going to be there one of those days with my crew <laughs> to celebrate the birthday. So I hope to see you guys there. Yeah, and, and bring your costumes because it is going to be uh, a Halloween themed event. Uh, I may or may not be going as a Ghostbuster. We shall see. Still have a, a few weeks, about two weeks to uh, plan that. Let's get into Matthew Broderick. So, uh, you know, obviously he is best known for playing the 80s uh, slacker slash hero Ferris Bueller and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's how I discovered him. When I was a kid, he was my idol. I wanted to be on that float. I wanted to sing, twist and shout. I wanted to drive that Ferrari 
And he was just such a cool role model and icon, really. And um, I think, yeah, that is definitely his most well-known role. Ivy, what do you think of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I agree. I I feel like 95% of my personality was created for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. (laughs) I just am... So um, that's a movie I feel like that formed so much of my life. I actually wrote an article for Film Inquiry. It was um, the Zen of Ferris Bueller. I completely agree. Just his attitude towards life felt very familiar. Like he just had such a joyful, he was joyfully mischievous in a really smart way. Like I love when he's like, you know, how how could you handle the high school on a, on a day like this and he just went out and just lived you know he just was I think one of the John Hughes movies where it, he's really the opposite I loved all of the John Hughes movies a lot and what I loved about Ferris is he just actually had no angst he just was like enjoying life and enjoying the opportunities in a way that like nobody ever really got hurt from ditching school a couple of days you know so I I just felt he his free spirit was such a great role model I felt like for to like counterbalance the intensity I feel like of being a teenager uh if I was you know playing hooky from school I would just sleep in but he I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he woke up like at the crack of dawn and he had this all planned out like the museum the parade the baseball game the museum the uh the fancy restaurant for lunch like this was this had to have been planned I mean I'm assuming I or maybe he just did it he totally improvised it but it it made for some fantastic cinema definitely without a doubt one of John Hughes very best films for sure so for sure and I I I feel too like Matthew kind of was the first of a a certain kind of lead character where it feels when I watched uh, some of Matthew Broderick again I recognized like Michael Cera a little bit like this you know he he really was so funny in such a easygoing kind of way he just really um wasn't out to really cause any harm really in the world but he wasn't afraid to kind of break the rules a little bit but in a way that kind of just brought more happiness to the people around him and I thought that was really amazing um about Ferris and what Matthew brought to it like everybody who went along with him on that day had a huge breakthrough in their life you know Cameron has this huge breakthrough his sister has this huge breakthrough and everyone who tried to bring him down hit bad luck after bad luck and that's what I love about that movie so much everybody around him was always made better by what he was doing you know and um he was following out of this kind of whimsical path through life yeah like many John Hughes films there are a lot of revelations a lot of character arcs and uh changes within each character that's you know, quintessential John Hughes, uh, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. And he basically just wanted to elevate those that he cared about. 
And um, those that wanted to ring him down, they they failed. Like Jeffrey Jones' character, like he's, he, t- he totally broke him. He broke him as a man. It's ridiculous. I believe Matthew Broderick was in the running to play Marty McFly. And uh, yeah, I think that would have been an interesting uh, take on, on the character. Also, Michael J. Fox, as a kid, Michael J. Fox was another idol of mine. So, and very, Marty McFly and, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that, that would be like an interesting bout between those two yeah. characters. Because they're both very similar. They're both kind of like these teenage uh, champions of freedom. And they're just out to have a good time, you know. And, well, Marty McFly doesn't really know what he's what he's doing most of the time. But uh, he, he, he makes up for it. But... Matthew Broderick's finest performance, I'd say, is Ferris Bueller, for sure. Now, absolutely, and I I love that that mashup of uh, Marty McFly and Matt and Ferris. I I think they would have been good friends had yeah. they met. Or horrible, horrible enemies. Yeah, <laughs> I could definitely no. see that too. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would pay good money to see that that movie, <laughs> Ferris Bueller versus Marty. I love it. So with War Games, 1983, you know, his second film, Roderick plays kind of this nerdy guy, but highly intelligent. Uh, I mentioned he does hack into the uh, the military's computer. And it's crazy how how scary this movie is, but how well made it is. You know, this was during the Cold War. You know, tensions were very high and tensions are still high uh, with the Soviet Union. You know, so it's, yeah, he he almost starts World War III and he, throughout the movie, he doesn't even realize what he's doing, like the gravity of the situation. It takes a uh, Dabney Coleman, who plays like a military uh, official over at the, um, the NORAD um, center and he's under custody. And yeah, I, I love the whole DEFCON 5, how it goes down to DEFCON 4 and <laughs> And yeah, we don't want to see it go down any lower. But yeah, great movie, really tense, but at the same time, really fun. Like it's a, it's a really you know it, it's very briskly paced. It's a it's a nice little thriller, um, and even the the film score is a little lighthearted to kind of bring uh, you know levity to the whole situation. You've also got um, Ali Sheedy as kind of the ditzy love interest. And also uh, Matthew's character is David Lickman. Uh, his parents in, in, in the film are also kind of oblivious to what's going on. But I don't know, I, I rewatched it the other day and it holds up, you know, it's 40 years old, but it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like the, what's possible out there, you know, I think this is one of, uh, this is definitely one of the, the best thrillers to come out of the eighties and definitely one of Matthew's uh finest performances. Ivy, what do you think of uh, War Games? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's really a film that is a, truly a classic. You could watch it now. And I feel like it's a movie that could come out now and still be as great as it was then. It is so well made and it's really incredibly written. And I feel like in that movie, every scene really makes sense. Like there's nothing that ever feels um, like filler in the, in war games. And it also is amazing how it was one of the first um, of uh, like a hacker. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've, I've heard a lot that 
a lot of kids who like work for Google now and have become really in their whole life in the tech world say it's because of war games. Like it, that was their Bible. They watched it and they were like, oh my gosh, like David is me. And <laughs> they like saw themselves in him and like based their full life choices on what um, they saw in that movie. And I think it, it was an incredibly powerful film too in that, I, f I feel like a lot of the films of like that that come out now are a little bit more jaded. Like the main character feels like he's kind of a darker figure who kind of wants to bring down, um, you know, civilization and, and kind of wants to do harm. And it kind of is a little bit like I just watched Heather's and the Christian Slater in there who kind of is the anarchist that wants to you know, blow up the school. But I love that Matthew didn't know what he was doing. It, he really has a lightness to him and a, a, a spirit of play. And he's just kind of messing around and seeing what he can do. He has a real lightheartedness to him. And I, I think what's so brilliant about that movie is him like just playing in that way ends up um, having a, a profound effect on the world. And I think um, Ferris Bueller is a little bit um, like that in that way as well. Like, you know, in war games, David is just uh, seeing how far this new toy he has can go. And he wants to also, I think, impress this girl that he likes. And he's just a teenager who it was really interested in the world and really interested in this new technology. And like, he wants to just have fun in the world and see what, what it's all about out there in the world. And no, that's it. He, he just wants to like mess around. He doesn't want to commit a felony here. He just wants to have a bit <laughs> of lighthearted fun with technology and it gets him into some really hot water. You know, he wants to book a, a trip to Paris with Ali Sheedy, which is hilarious. I, there's a, a, a great scene um, later on when David is in custody and dad becomes like, who are you going to Paris with? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah. It's like, it's just like a really, like it's really heavy stuff, obviously, you know, World War, the, the threat of World War III, but it, it's done in a very kind of almost lighthearted manner. You know, I, I mentioned the score being very goofy and, and lighthearted as well. This movie, for me anyway, it, it, it gets better with every viewing. I think I saw this, it might have been around the time I saw Ferris Bueller for the first time, but I was like a little kid, so I didn't really appreciate it back then. But now it, it definitely holds up and it's gotten even better with the the repeat viewings that I've made in, in the past like decade. I really love too about it that he um, is really a person who wants to explore but he ends up doing something that becomes incredibly important that still I feel like speaks of today you know in terms of like the power that as we get online more and as things become put more up into the responsibility of technology to handle and all the questions about AI I think it, it really is still so relevant. And I think why I love War Games so much is because it's such a well-made film. It really takes the problem seriously that are actual real problems in the world. But 
I love that you know that there are also people behind it who are excited about the technology and excited to find ways to use it that are positive. And I think that's what also kind of calls it like a war games, you know, like it, they are actually playing war games in a very serious real world way, but also like he's just playing a game and that a lot of the people behind technology like there's some where it, it's all gonna go down in flames and others like that are really have a very light spirit I feel like yeah. like David Lightman had who like well we can figure out how to use this technology in in positive ways because it doesn't end with them like blowing it all up you know, it ends with understanding how to use it, I think, with a lot more intelligence. I think this movie should be shown at, like, military academies and with, you know, basically military officials. Like, it's a really scary reality that this movie insinuates, you know? Like, I think it's essential viewing for any, you know, soldier or person working at NORAD or any of these other um, facilities it's, it's scary at you know, the implications that this movie makes. So I think that even just random high schools should, you know, air the you know, screen this film. I think they, they did a very good job with this film. If that's what can happen in, in, you know, 40 years ago, then imagine what hackers can do now. I totally agree. And I think kind of the clo closest to war games might've been Silicon Valley, the TV series. <laughs> because they had a similar um, excitement spirit and, and they really, none of those characters in there, even though some of them were like anarchists, they also um, really wanted to create something. And I think that that's what makes War Games still so relevant as well, because David didn't go in to destroy something. He went in to create something and he wanted to you know, be part of creating solutions, I feel like in the end. And I love in, in war games when he saw, you know, that there was an issue, he wasn't like, oh, yay, you know, I started the end of the world. He was like, oh my gosh, you know, we have to fix this. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and he was a, a hero. He he does, he didn't want to destroy the world. He he right. wanted to be part of, of fixing it. And so I, I really would love to see more but I'm really kind of like, okay, we've seen enough of the dystopian. I feel like I'd love to see more stories like that where they, you know, just want to save the day and kind of figure out how to use the technology in yeah. safer ways, you know, then um, I feel like it, kind of the dystopian, let's destroy everything has kind of taken over a little bit in, in terms of like the hacker hero, in my opinion. Mm. It is. It's definitely a, a depressing film. So, like the the ideas that the the movie uh, generates are depressing, but it does have a happy ending. I wanted to also talk about uh, real briefly uh, another movie that Matthew did, uh, where it wasn't versus a machine; it was Matthew versus uh, monster. And this film, it, everyone I've talked to, really does not like it very much, and it is. The 1998 uh, reboot of Godzilla. It was directed by Roland Emmerich. Screenplay was done by Emmerich and Dean Devlin, who are probably best known for their Independence Day movie, uh, also Stargate. 
and just really like fun sci-fi action movies. And Godzilla, you know, it's it's not a good movie, but I think it has some really fun action sequences. The the acting's atrocious. Uh, even Broderick kind of, I wasn't really impressed by his performance here. Um, I, I guess he did his best, but um, you, you've got uh, Jean Reno, who plays this uh, French Secret Service agent. You've got Hank Azaria, Simpsons fame. Uh, you also have Kevin Dunn and Michael Lerner. Harry Shearer, also Simpsons fame. There's also uh, Nancy Cartwright. She was the voice of Bart. And she's in this too. So you've got three Simpsons uh, actors in here. So this is very strange. I, you know, I, I revisited this film the other night. Uh, I had, a, I actually had a lot of fun watching it. It's, you know, it's not an intelligent movie. It's not a great movie. But like I said, the, the action sequences are pretty on point. They're a lot of fun. Uh, the visual effects are okay for the time this is 1998 so you know they're not as polished as say you know jurassic park or lost world but and this this movie definitely borrowed a lot from the lost world in the uh, madison square garden sequence with the uh the baby godzillas but yeah you know uh ivy i'm i'm i you know i'm at a loss for words what, what did you think of uh godzilla <laughs> <laughs> similarly okay. yeah similarly i i agree i i feel like it would be a really fun like if you're want a fun like kids <laughs> birthday party and you put it on like in the backyard and uh, the visuals i think that's the only place it would be fun to have <laughs> on you know they i think kids might find it really fun is like a big scary monster movie because there's actually like no blood it's not a gory movie which I think is cool in a sense that you can show it to you know kids who are who are old enough to see a you know big action monster movie like that I think it would keep them very entertained than that um I agree I also feel like you know Godzilla I I just don't think it's right for to do an American remake of of Godzilla <laughs> I think it's in bad taste. Um, I, I think what would be so much better, I would have loved the movie if they did something like The Meg, where they weren't, the movie The Meg is such an obvious knockoff to yeah. Jaws, but because they don't call it Jaws, I <laughs> love it for what it is. It's like a ridiculous movie about, you know, it's a fun, dumb movie. Yeah. about a giant um shark right right and i feel like the like i'm watching it can like thinking about the you know original godzilla and hang like how could you guys how could you guys do this but if they <laughs> so i actually enjoyed it a lot more when i renamed it in my head to like the the reptile Right. I just saw it as just, you know, a movie that was a big reptile overtaking New York City and enjoyed it a lot more in in that way. And um, it's one of those funny movies, too, that's kind of fun to make fun of because there's so many things in it that are so lame, you know, like the what what they thought a New York City married couple would be like was, I thought, really funny. <laughs> like random you know just like the Hank Azara like hates his wife like that's his character <laughs> arc, you know? it's like, 
and they kind of hate each other, but they're staying married for in love. Like the they're sitting here a couple, you know, and, the, and they, uh, like a lot of random stuff like that. The, there's no character development. They're like one dimensional, especially and especially a uh, uh, Mir- Maria Patillo who plays Matthew's um, ex girlfriend. Uh, she is just not a very good actress at all. I, I read on her uh, Wikipedia page that she's retired uh, with good reason, but no, maybe I just haven't seen the the best performance of hers. Uh, Godzilla is not it. Uh, I love Hank Azaria. Actually, I think Azaria might have been the highlight of the movie because he was pretty funny with his like you know the quintessential New Yorker accent. Um, so that was fun. Also. I'm- I want to mention um, the score by uh, David Arnold, who is one of my favorite composers. He actually he did Independence Day, he did Stargate, he's he did a couple of the the Pierce Brosnan James Bond films. I think he did one or two of the Cra- uh, Daniel Craig Bond films as well. Great, great uh, uh, composer. He, he does action sequences very well. That's why I I love the action sequences. Well, not love, but I like them a lot. I like the action sequences in Godzilla mostly because of David Arnold's score. So, if you guys are curious uh, about the score, if you're if you're film music aficionados, David Arnold. I don't think I've ever heard of a bad David Arnold score. Yeah, and I I love. I totally agree. I think the score is is one of the highlights of the movie. I think if you know if if someone saw on their Spotify, you know, the Godzilla soundtrack, it's a good <laughs> reason. It's actually yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah. And I was, you know, I also think what's really interesting and in, like the, you know, the the machine versus the monster and, you know, Matthew's character, he kind of have, he's a little bit similar in both. Like in Godzilla, he plays someone who, you know, he studies reptiles and he's studying the earthworm, um, the effect of radiation on right. earthworms. And oh, I, I actually really love Matthew so much because I feel like he does bring so much to his characters. They're such a funny and only murders in the building this season. <laughs> there's a really funny thing with Matthew Brod, it worth, really worth seeing of how seriously he takes creating his characters and I did feel that in Godzilla I felt like he took uh his character quite seriously I love how um his character is introduced is really adorable with him singing singing in the rain and he's very cute in it and what's really great about that kind of character in um war games is like you want this sweet guy I feel like behind you know this act that was you know really dangerous but in here he is kind of like the sweet scientist you know who sees you know what's really going on and I I felt like he just kind of was very typecast like there what I really didn't like about this Godzilla is what it felt like was like really like Wonder Bread like they had taken something and like taken all the nutrients (laughs) <laughs> and also and made it so bland and then they had to like force so much back in the, right. to try to make it interesting like they had to force back in this kind of dopey 
um this guy who was like i don't know why i'm here and um, <laughs> they force in a weird love story um between him and the his ex-girlfriend who wants to be a reporter and i i just felt like they were because they really shouldn't have been making it anyway they really um tried to just jam it with as much like made up interesting stuff as possible which yeah. I feel like if it honestly wasn't even made, like it didn't really have to even be made because they weren't really referencing much of the original material anyway. I just feel like I I love a big monster movie so much. And so I feel like on an, if I just pretend it's not Godzilla, then it's yeah. a fun watch. But it is like quite offensive <laughs> to yeah. the whole uh, history of Godzilla to even have been made. Totally agree with that, it being an insult to original films. It's just a sloppy movie. And it could have used a, a much better script, some more tightening. They could have trimmed it a little in terms of some of the sequences, some of the scenes. The visual effects were okay. That could have been also uh, improved upon. I say, if you want a good Godzilla movie, just see Cloverfield, because that is one of my favorite giant monster attacking Manhattan movies. Um, but yes, but with Broderick in both movies, in this and War Games, he is one of the first actors who made characters, who made nerds cool. Like, like you know, the whole idea of a nerd that can be cool. Uh, I think it was, it first came up in like the 80s with the John Hughes films, especially Ferris Bueller. And then obviously later on with... Um, with uh, the Big Bang Theory and stuff like that. So, yeah, basically, yeah, Matthew Broderick has has made nerds cool. Speaking of, of cool nerds and all fun stuff nerd-wise, New York Comic Con is this weekend, uh, Ivy. I, I know you know. Yes. Those listening, those watching, uh, New York Comic Con will be this Thursday through Sunday at the Jacob Javits Center in Manhattan. And I will be there uh, Saturday and Sunday with my Ghostbusters brethren. We will have our patented slime lab for the kids and the adults. So if you want to stop by, uh, we have we will have our table set up. And if you want to make some slime, have some fun with us, pose for some photos, uh, we'll be there all weekend. And I'll be there uh, Saturday, Sunday, but it runs Thursday through Sunday. Uh, Ivy, uh, I believe you're uh, you'll be in attendance. Oh my gosh, completely! It's uh, <laughs> my a, a religious event of the year, so I must attend. I I wouldn't miss it. It's one of the greatest places in the whole world. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to, or just a casual, just go there and just absorb it all? definitely go there absorb it all I'll, I'll definitely check out you guys with the slime lab that sounds so fun um i last year um got to see jamie lake curtis being interviewed about the last halloween that was a huge highlight from last year um so this year um the same like i mean i definitely like just crash landing and just seeing out of what unfolds and what I can get into. If I plan it too much, I get stressed out because it's so crowded that I feel like if I get too attached to, to something and then I don't see it, it kind of ruins my whole day. So I've learned to cope with that by having no plan. 
Like, oh. Okay. I like that. No, <laughs> same here. I, I kind of go in cold uh, when I'm not uh, manning the booth at uh, for the Ghostbusters. I like to just walk around, wander, see where uh, where the, the mood takes me. Try not to spend too much money because <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's tempting. You know, I'm a I'm a huge action figure and movie poster guy. So I'm going to try to uh, refrain from uh, opening up my wallet uh, and just, you know, walk around, uh, take some photos with some cool cosplayers, uh, run into some some old friends, maybe make some new friends. Yeah, it's just an exciting uh, four days. Uh, and it's just it's just a yearly tradition. It really is a holiday. And like you said, Ivy, a religious experience, a religious holiday. <laughs> so <laughs> I totally 100% agree with you there. Yeah, I, I look forward to running into you there. That, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, you yeah. too. You And my favorite thing there, I think, is the um, cosplay fashion show or the con nice. the have you seen that it's so um, incredible i think i saw some of that they, they they do that at other cons too and uh there's like a i think there's a prize for the best cosplay are you going to dress up yourself i think so yeah i'm trying to decide on who i want to go as there's so many incredible characters i'm not sure yet who's gonna i'm gonna end up landing on but um I'm excited to see just the creativity you know I I just feel like when I ever I see the fashion um I just cry actually because just to seeing people's creativity <laughs> moves wow. me um because they just you know um have found something in this character that affected them so much that they just built this entire Kind of um costume and representation of them you know from scratch just I love when they talk like how the person built it like you can't just go to the store and you know Halloween adventures and buy it you have to build yeah. everything of it and just watching people's creativity is um really something to see like I I would recommend if people weren't even into necessarily the other things just that alone is really exciting to see what people come up with people they definitely bring out the gun the their the big guns with the creativity um even within the ghostbusters community there are some guys that like they are super detail oriented it has to be very very specific there has to be a scratch on the proton pack quarter of an inch uh, to the to the left, up a little bit, you know, they have to make it screen accurate. There's some there's some uh, that people that take it extremely seriously. I mean, not not to say that I don't take it seriously, but not to the level with some of these guys. But um, you know, it's it's a very important thing. Cosplay is a it's it's an art uh, and a science. Ivy, are there any uh, plugs for you? Anything you want to mention? Any projects? Sure. Um, I'll just mention my Instagram is at my name at Ivy Lofberg, and I do something called Film Remedy, where I have a monthly theme, and then um, I post films that relate to that theme. For October, it's uh, Dancing in the Dark, so it's all films um, on that theme, and I write little uh, reviews and give re recommendations of fun stuff to see for the month. I love it. That's awesome. That's very cool. Good stuff, good stuff. 
as for me, uh, if you want to catch new episodes of Under the Radar, so we are on, you can catch a video of the show on Manhattan Neighborhood Network, Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, feel free to subscribe to the Under the Radar YouTube channel, uh, subscribe and share, spread the love. Also, of course, uh, you can listen to episodes of Under the Radar on SiriusXM through Slam Radio. That's channel 145. Uh, and that is every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, also, the show appears on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So tune in for that. Uh, Ivy, I want to thank you as always. Your appearance is always uh, very special. And uh, I'm really uh, fortunate to know you and to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much, Randy. I always love coming on. You're such an excellent host. And this is always such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome anytime. And I think I'll be seeing you soon uh, for future episodes. Uh, but before then, I will definitely see you at uh, New York Comic Con and possibly at the next Spoons, Tunes, and Booze. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So, guys, I'm Randy Younger. This has been Under the Radar, bringing movies and people together one frame at a time. We'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>